Hey, welcome to the Bullpen Session. This is Patrick Lellis, and thank you for listening. Hope everybody's doing good. Hope you're healthy, uh, social distancing, doing everything you need to do to take care of yourself. Um, did our first Zoom podcast interview uh, with playwright Rajiv Joseph, and um, lovely conversation, and just a great guy and really really nice and loved hearing about his journey into theater. I don't think I was as aware that uh, the first playwriting class, the first theater class he took was uh, a class I taught at NYU. So that was really nice to hear about. Um, and glad he's doing well. Uh, we were both chose to go from our jobs to where we were to go home. He's in Cleveland, I'm up in Rochester and my mom's and you know, both staying where it's safe to self-isolate. Um, and I think that's, you know, right now, I talked last week about doing what you need to do to take care of yourself, and, you know, whether that's work or not work or create. And uh, I think that's key is just to make sure we're taking care of ourselves. I was also thinking it's all this impetus for people to, you know, there's opportunity to make things. You know, the the farm has a play development workshop and actors are going to come into that. And I'm working with Compass Needle and we're doing a workshop of a new play on Friday and everybody's going to come into Zoom. And I'm thinking like, oh, we all, we're all figuring out ways to move forward, figuring out ways to create, ways to do, put monologues online. I, I watched uh, the Hamilton cast sing their opening number on what looked like Zoom. You know, we have ways to do and the thing that I was thinking about with the my conversation with Rajiv that you'll hear is you know it's also something about taking your time and you know we can create to create we can create to create uh, create content and escape for other people Labyrinth Theatre Company is doing this interesting thing sort of the isolation survival guide and I think that's really good um, but I also want to say it's a time where you can take your time you know, if you're not, you can make something for the moment, but you can also wait and uh, and create what's, you know, what's important to you and, and or wait for that thing to come to you that you have to create. And, you know, uh, something about not getting caught up in the pressure. And the reason I'm thinking about that, I think, is finding myself on looking at social media and seeing, you know, I'm, it's funny, I'm doing a lot, I'm doing the podcast, I'm doing, uh, working with Shenandoah University on the farm a little bit, um, teaching the play development workshop, but at the same time, I'm finding this, having this impulse of like, oh, I don't want to miss something, I want to, I want to be part of the conversation, and, you know, the truth is, when I write a play or direct a play, it's when it's the time is right. And I want to do, I don't want to feel this need to rush. You know, just want to make sure that we're healthy, taking care of ourselves. And then when I go about doing the work, you know, doing doing what's important to me. And, to, and I think, and I'm saying that to, to say to you, like, do what's important to you. Take your time. It's not a rush. And uh, yeah, that's it. That's what I wanted to say. And I, but mostly, I'm just—I'm uh, really glad people are checking it out. And it was so good to talk to Rajiv. He's, hes a great guy, and incredibly talented, and uh, was very generous. As we both—we uh, <laughs> both acknowledged, we didn't have a lot to do at the moment. We have a lot to do, but no deadline for doing it. So um, I was glad we could get together at this point and talk. Um, with that, here's the conversation with Rajiv, and play ball. I was out in the West Coast <clears throat> all of January, February, and the first week of March um, doing a show at La Jolla Playhouse. And, um, and then I came home to Brooklyn on like March 9th. And uh, I was home for like two days and I was like, ah, I think I'm gonna get out of here. <laughs> and uh, my parents live in Cleveland. So I, I kind of, I came down and I did the same thing you did. I stayed in a hotel for the first week and then I moved in uh, with them. Yeah, and I feel, it's weird, it's weird, but I felt better just 
staying. I didn't feel like I had done anything or been in Virginia was nice. It was isolated. You know, there was nothing around and I felt pretty safe, but I still felt like I should do a little self-isolation. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, what, what were you working on and did it go up in LA? Uh, San Diego. It was, San Diego, um, sorry. Yeah, it was, it, it, it did go up. <clears throat> we had the opening night on, we had like three weeks of previews and then we had the opening night on like <clears throat> March 8th and then it closed like March 10th. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, uh, things escalated really quickly as, as you know. And so, um, that's, that, that was disappointing, but we did actually, you know, have an opening night, you know, and like a lot of other shows that were just getting started or still early in previews that got canceled. And I can imagine that in some ways is harder because, uh, you know, it, you, you don't even get that moment of like, <laughs> of release of being like, aha, now we're sharing it with the world, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I was down, the thing I was doing in Virginia, we did this, we ended up presenting it via Zoom. And we, uh, and we, because oh, wow. it was at a, I was a guest artist at a college and, it, you know, it was that thing where we had a week before we were supposed to open and then we decided, it actually became very theatrical and very exciting and an invited dress for the theater department. But, you know, that was it. You didn't want the seniors, like it's their last play at college, not to present, not to yeah. have that opportunity. And Were you directing down there? Yeah. 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 And it was, it, but, but it is, it was true. It was really important to, to have that moment of sharing because otherwise, you know, it just feels like you, you know, it's, I don't know what it is, but when you don't get that opportunity to share it, it it's a real loss. And I think that's, it's interesting. I was going to ask you if you're working on anything now, because I feel like there's this pressure to keep creating. Yeah. I, I'm also a big proponent of the, it's important to grieve. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that there was, um, when this thing started, I think, I think we're obviously everyone is still finding their footing through all this. And, but when it, when it first started out, you know, there's like every, you know, I think that, a, 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 a common reaction would be like, okay, so how are we doing? What, what are we going to do? How are we going to fill this time? You know? And, um, I, and I myself was like that. I've, I've always, I've always wondered like, you know, grimly, like what it would be like to be in jail or to, to be under house arrest. <laughs> and that was kind of get a, uh, a sort of like, um, firsthand experience of that a little bit. Um, but, I have found so far in these first few weeks that I do have work that I, a, I have to do that. I have like some deadlines on, and then I have some work that um, I would like to do like just sort of like, Oh, maybe start a new play make, make the most of this experience. But I have found focus really trying in these, in these first few weeks, it's been, there's just a lot to distract us from it and a lot of, um, adjustment cabin fever. Um, I, w I wasn't well for a, a good two weeks of this already. So, um, you know, there was, there was being sick in it is also like, <laughs> you know, doubles down on the sort of misery. Sick, uh, regular sick, COVID sick. I'm pretty sure it was COVID sick. Um, but I wasn't tested, but I had the, uh, the 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 telltale um symptoms for like the telltale amount of time um it was it was a mild version of it whatever it was but it was it lasted about 10 days and it was um you know w with the exception of respiratory issues which i did not have thank god um it was fever body aches um loss of taste loss of smell um those kind of things well i'm glad you're feeling better and yeah, yeah i am i'm kind of fully recovered it seems now so great yeah it's, yeah. yeah it's terrifying i was uh i actually when i was in virginia i had a roommate and i have to say my biggest fear was like i'm like what if i catch you know get cold yeah <laughs> it's just a simple thing of like i didn't want to get a regular flu let alone any other kind no of i mean it's freaking march you know it's like this is the time of year where people get sick you know so it's like how do you negotiate like oh is this is this the, am I experiencing the pandemic or am I just having like regular midwinter colds, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah. 
So, well, I'm glad you're you're better. What 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 was what was out? What opened in San Diego? I should know this, but I I missed no, it. It's, uh, no reason you'd know it, but it was. Um, I've been working on a musical. Fly um, right. Yeah, fly for the last ten years, um, and uh, we did it six years ago in Dallas, Texas, at the Dallas Theater Center, and um, and then it kind of went into hibernation for a bit, and then we brought it back out, and we realized we wanted to do some more work on it, so we spent the last two years. <clears throat> rewriting, workshopping, and then we had a, uh, we went into <clears throat> rehearsals in the beginning of January at La Jolla and opened it up there in, in, uh, in March. So <clears throat> it was really fun. Nice, good. And that is, that's a, uh, <clears throat> an, an adaptation of Peter Pan, um, the Jan Berry novel, um, a new take on that, new music, new book, et cetera, <clears throat> new vision of it. And it's, it's been a real labor of love for the last, you know, I'd say, you know, ten, you know, 10 years. That's, that's, that's <clears throat> a great, I'm glad it, you, I remember when you were working on it at Dallas, I just remember reading about it and uh, yeah, <clears throat> hope, hope it went well. Hope it's going to come back. Yeah, me to too. See. We're knocking on wood and crossing our fingers and we'll see. You know, every everything is up for grabs right now. There is so much uncertainty on every level. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, it's kind of like, well, we'll just wait to see when the smoke clears, what happens. But um, no need to add that to the list of things that are stressing me out. <laughs> <laughs> right. It, that That is actually one of the biggest things is like to, is to figure out you know, how to alleviate stress. Cause yeah. I am, I was telling people like I'm, I'm busy as busy as I've been since the first, I think the first three down three days of like the stay at home thing, mm -hmm. I was, I sort of was walking around in a circle, not knowing what to do. And then, and then once I went back to work, just maintaining the farm theater and different theater, mm -hmm. you know, different little obligations. And I thought, oh, I'm as busy as I've ever been, but I actually have no deadlines. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Like nothing, nobody can do anything. So nothing's due, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. It, that's a weird place to be, you know? <clears throat> yeah. Deadlines are so useful. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Nothing gets done without them. So yeah, exactly. it was actually fun. It's actually one of the reasons when I, when I emailed you yesterday, I was like, well, what about tomorrow? Because if, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, if not. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, I, I can do tomorrow. <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> yeah. I have two zoom meetings today, this being the first. And it's like, wow, I have a full day ahead of it. I, I, I don't know how I'm going to fit it all in. <laughs> um, Funny, I want to ask about. I want to ask. I'm going to go to beginning of playwriting and stuff, but I know I got to imagine King James is on hold, right? Yeah, that it was. It's been postponed until the 21-22 season. It has both been theaters. Yeah, yeah. Great. So I think that that was this. That was the wise decision. It was. Um, we weren't looking at <clears throat> being able to adjust our schedule, and it was if. if if we had pushed forward with the just the LA portion of it, which is in August, but not the Chicago portion, it would have kind of screwed up our artistic team. And I didn't want to do that. It's been a real joy so far working with Anna Shapiro, working with the actors. Um, and I just, uh, I, I, I was like, let's, let's just take a beat. And, you know, we all kind of agreed that that was the, the way to go. That is, that's great. And then you can yeah. keep everybody together and, yeah. And again, there's no, it, you made that when they were going to push to August. So that was related to this directly. And uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's great. It, it, it's, um, it's, yeah, it's, <laughs> I think it's better. It's funny to think about, yes, yeah, just how to, how to deal with the transition. When I was looking at other theaters postponing things, I thought, are, are you able to postpone if you've already planned a five show season, you know? Yeah how do you how are you going to get to do that i hope the work you know and i think like if not 2021 then hopefully they commit hopefully they commit to the new plays in 21 22 you know, if they I, know can. I know i mean yeah. the old put like i just what i directed that we did the invited dress on 
through Zoom on was Bly Spirit. And I'm like, you know, if a couple of productions of Bly Spirit get canceled, I'm okay. But, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, if the, but when the new plays get postponed, I hope that they yeah, commit, commit yeah. to them. I know. It's, it, it can be a really uh, scary moment, uh, if, especially I was, I, was, I was thinking about the playwrights out there who are just starting, like, you know, if I was imagining if, if I had was starting out my career right now this year and I had my first production ever lined up and then this happened, how devastating that would be. And, um, and how, how much anxiety and fear must factor into that. You're like, I got my shot and now what, you know? Right. And I, I really hope and pray that like, I don't, I, I personally don't know anybody that that's necessarily what they're experiencing. I, I probably do know people like that. I just don't know that they're in this particular situation, but um, it's, you know, for all those, you know, both writers, directors, actors who are, who are seeing their, their dreams take off this year and then to have to put that on hold, that's gotta be really hard. Yeah. That's the one I was thinking of. And I'm just, uh, those are the people I'm thinking of first major regional theater, first off Broadway. And I'm hoping yeah. that's where I hope the theaters commit. I know it's embarrassing because the playwright's name is escaping me, but Labyrinth just it was giving that opportunity to somebody and yeah. ha had to postpone the show. And I know they're committed to doing it. Mm -hmm. you know eventually yeah yeah but, but yeah that's because when you are starting out <clears throat> you don't know who's gonna when is that gonna happen again you know no i mean it's <laughs> it's it, it's a terrifying first 10 years or so like <laughs> <laughs> uh, i can lead into it that's, <laughs> that's that's pretty that's pretty great because i think uh, i tell people that's how long it takes like it yeah, takes 10 yeah. years before you know not if you have a career, but what your career sort of is, because it can change at any moment, right. you know. But yeah. uh, uh, what started you? What started you out? What gave you the the opportunity to put my one of my questions? You know, what what got you to the next level? And I like to define next level as anything, you know, yeah. whatever you call yeah. it. Like it could right. be. So I'll just ask the question and let you answer it. Yeah, well, I, you you sent me that question, and I was like, man, that's that is that's a challenging one because it's it's like I feel like there's I feel like there's all these little steps along the way that if you took out any any one of those steps, I'm, I might not have gotten to the next one, you know. And so, um, you know, I, I when I thought about it, I kind of narrowed it down to sort of like three steps that are still multi-tiered in and of themselves. But like, you know, I, I, I met you, you were one of my first instructors at NYU um, my first year there. And I, I arrived at NYU grad school dramatic writing program to be a screenwriter. That was my ambition at that point. And I actually didn't have a whole lot of um, experience in contemporary straight American drama, you know, I, I, I hadn't really seen many of those plays. Um, and I hadn't considered it as, as a, as a path for myself, but being at NYU, the, the way it was then, I'm not sure if it's that way now, but you, we were all kind of together the first year. So we were taking both screenwriting and playwriting courses. Um, this is before TV writing was that much of a deal there that we had like one or two TV writing classes, but it wasn't yet a, a focus or a, you know, an area of focus. So it was like playwriting and screenwriting. You you led the uh, playwriting workshop there, which was, that was like the first time that I ever, ever got to see an actor read anything I wrote, you know? So that was like, that was, that was a huge thing that I remember very vividly uh, in being in a little black box, the Rita and Burton Goldberg theater and, uh, and being able to like, cast our, our, our monologues, our, our, our two-person scenes, our four-person scenes, and also work with directors, you know? And that was like really eye-opening, you know? And then that kind of led to me switching my focus. Um, I really enjoyed all my playwriting classes. I really enjoyed all my screenwriting classes as well, but um, there was something that was kind of poking me in that direction. I, I also got to see, speaking of Labyrinth, like. I saw that 
uh, I think it was my second semester at NYU, I saw Our, Our Lady of 121st Street. I always talk about this play um, as like a real kind of um, big moment for me. I saw that play like three times and like um, that was a play that spoke to me and like showed me that like, oh, like you can write plays like this that are like, <laughs> that are of this moment and um, with in a language that is totally new and totally contemporary. And uh, so it was, that, that was also a big moment for me. And then when I got out of grad school, it was like two things happened. I, I, I got into the mentor project at Cherry Lane Theater and um, I got to see my, my play produce Huck and Holden um, there. And then I also, in conjunction with that, I, I, my, my mentor there was Teresa Rebeck and my thesis advisor at NYU was Arthur Copet, and they both brought me into the LARC, Play Development Center, which is a, an organization that I've been involved with ever since. And so those two things, like being in the Cherry Lane Mentor Project and going to the LARC, provided me with like these kind of structures, these places to go where like people were really paying attention to what I was doing and giving me all these opportunities, giving me a small black box production of Huck and Holden, my first play, uh, giving me uh, space and resources at the Playwrights Workshop, which is where I started to develop my play Bengal Tiger at the Baghdad Zoo. So those kind of, um, you know, organizational structured, you know, like physical places to go with, with people who are paying attention to me and listening and, 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 and wanting to respond to the stuff I was writing about was like just invaluable. You know, that was like this incredible way to begin my career you know um and i think that like one of the things that you can do for an artist is like literally just pay attention you know um <laughs> listen to them listen to what they're trying to write or express and um and not impose your notes upon that but just listen, hear it out and and form a discussion around that and i feel like that's what those places were doing that nobody at Cherry Lane and nobody at Lark were trying to tell me what I should be writing about or trying to tell me the changes I should be making to my script. Rather, they were um, just engaging in a conversation about it that was helping me build it. You know? what, yeah, what type of conversation? Because uh, I'm curious, like, uh, I, it's interesting. I feel like I do that a lot and I'm mentoring and listening to a lot of young playwrights and early career. And what is the con? Because it's true, you don't you don't want to necessarily give notes. You want to ask them questions that make their plays deeper, more mm -hmm. important, you know, and enlarging yeah. what they're trying to say. Yeah, you know, my first uh, draft, early early draft of Bengal Tiger at the Baghdad Zoo was really a small. It started out as a ten minute play at NYU, and then I kind of expanded it into like a like a one act play that was very limited in its scope. Um, and mainly it was because it was just about these two soldiers. Um, and then of course the tiger, but, but there were no Iraqi characters in that early draft. And I remember in a discussion after one of the readings, Arthur Copet kind of pointed this out to me, not in a sort of, not in any kind of like instructional way, but just saying like, you've written a play about Iraq, but there is no Iraqi characters. <laughs> And, and, and the thing was, is that I hadn't thought about that I was writing a play about Iraq, you know? I thought I was writing a play about a tiger, you know? And, uh, but, but simple comments like that suddenly opened my eyes of like what, what it is I actually am doing. And, 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 you know, I think, especially for like a lot of, like when I was first starting out, you would, I would just kind of write what I wanted to write, but I wouldn't think about like what its impact would actually be if it got, a big production, right? Like, you know, say, say everything went according to plan and it's suddenly it's up on a big stage in New York. Like, what would it then, what would it look like? What, what is it, what criticisms is it open to? You know, like you, all you care about it as, as, as a young writer is just getting it done, you know? Right. But, you know, Arthur was pointing out to me, he's like, think about what you're doing and think about um, what it means for an American writer to be writing a play set in Baghdad and not include any Iraqi characters. Like, 
that there's something imperialistic about that, you know? <laughs> and uh, my words, not his, he didn't say that, but that's when it suddenly would have felt like to me. I, I felt almost embarrassed by that fact. But then by that, by that embarrassment led to uh, the, the play cracking open in a significant way. And suddenly I had several Iraqi characters in it that were really important to the architecture of the play. And, um, and so like helping an act, a writer crack open something is, can be really important, you know, like that, there, there was, there was a sort of limitation in my own brain about what I could write about. And it was almost like I was given permission to, to write about something larger, you know? And so that was, that was liberating. And did you need permission to write about something larger in the sense of having something important to say or to write about something that maybe not be your personal experience? Um, I was never concerned about it being not being my personal experience because <laughs> chiefly I was writing from the perspective of a tiger. Um, <laughs> not your experience. Uh, not my experience. And then I was also writing from the perspective of the soldiers. And so that I was already kind of liberated to like say, okay, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to write from different perspectives. But, um, but once that opened up to me, I said, I, and I, I started writing about it. I realized that like, this was a missing aspect of the play that was actually something that meant a lot to me. And, you know, the, the, the characters that came out of that, that, that opening up end up being, you know, one of them especially ends up being sort of the heart of the play. This, this Iraqi translator who ends up being kind of the most central character to the play. And so, you know, I hadn't even really found what you might call my protagonist yet. <laughs> and um, so, and, you know, Bengal Tiger uh, was unlike anything else, I think that I've ever written in the sense that like, because it was early in my career and because I was still figuring out how to like, how, what my process was going to be like, um, I was all over the place with that play. You know, I, I had so many different drafts, so many different things that it was about, so many different tonalities that were added and removed. And I worked on it for seven years before it was ever produced, you know? So, um, and, par and part of that was almost by default because um, no one was gonna produce that play in that time because no one knew about it and no one knew me and, um, you know, there, there, there's, there's something really valuable to um, having to, having to delay a, a production, you know, uh, because it's still growing, you know. And I think that once you have some success, one of the dangers can be that a theater will produce anything you that you write because you have a reputation. And that you have to be, you have to really guard against that because you can end up putting up some stuff that's not actually ready to be performed. <laughs> At least not in that, not, not, in, not, not, not for pay, you know, you can, <laughs> that's you, right. can, you know, you can do it at the Lark, you can do it at New Dramatists, you can, you can do it in your, in your apartment with your friends. But I mean, um, you know, I'm, I'm a big believer in, in, you know, in, in play development and, uh, and, and really working out those kinks before, you know, before it's, it's up there and, and ready to be judged. And do you, are you, are you protective now? Like, because I got to figure people are willing to produce your next play if, you, if, you know, unwritten, if they, <laughs> at, well, not at some point, there's got to be some theaters who are like, whatever you got, we'd like to premiere it, you know, and are you protective of when you share it and, and, uh, yeah, I, I am. I'm, I'm very protective of it. And it's kind of easy to be much of the time. Um, I, I wouldn't say that, like, I, I wouldn't say that I could just get plays produced, you know, whenever I want, but I, I have been in situations where um, a theater is ready to produce a play of mine. And I know full well, I'm like, it actually isn't quite ready, you know, and, and I've, and I've made the mistake of, of going forward with it. Cause I was like, well, I'll figure it out, you know, and, um, <laughs> And it, you know, sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. But um, right now, the, the most of my new plays are all uh, commissions, and so I, you at least have this kind of focused, like it's not, it's not available to the theaters, you know. So it's like this theater has commissioned it, so they're going to get the first crack at it, and so we can work out, you know, what I need 
from them before we're ready to jump into that. That's great. So a, a King James was that. King James is a is a uh, commission, a co-commission with Second Wolf and Center Theater Group in LA. Oh, good. I didn't know they they both commissioned it. They both came together. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Yeah. I, I'm going to back up a little bit. How did the mentor project, I don't know which is more important. How did you come to NYU or how did the mentor project, but how did, let's start with the mentor. How did that happen? So Janet Nypris, who was my professor at NYU, um, submitted my play that um, I had written at NYU to the mentor project. And, you know, from what I understand, you know, it's, it kind of goes through a whole series of, um, you know, rounds of, of, of judges and then kind of like three stacks are given to three established playwrights and Teresa Rebeck had my play in her stack and she selected it and then she became you know a, a resource for me over the course of the year we read the play together we saw you know I we Cherry Lane developed a, you know a readings of it and I could hear it um, it's where I first met Giovanna Sardelli, who became one of my, my, my biggest collaborators over the course of my career. She directed that play. And so um, <clears throat> it was a real, it was right after I got out of grad school, you know? And so the fear when you get out of grad school is like, wh where, where am I going to get support? Where am I going to get feedback? Where am I going to get, you know, now that I'm, I'm out of this cocoon of NYU, uh, how am I going to continue to, you know, be a writer? You know, and this this kind of like it like it was seamless. You know, it was like it started that following fall, and it was a it was sort of like a year long thing. And then by the spring, I had a, a production, really small, basic production, non equity. You know, but like it was uh, it was so deeply helpful. And I think that you know, being in a rehearsal process with actors and a director that that's how you learn how to be a playwright. You know, and. Uh, and that's why I like the, the, the workshop that, that, that you led and taught us at NYU was so important because that was what that was. It was working with actors and directors and, and, and engaging in that sort of collaborative aspect of this art. I'm gonna I get to share this and ask, I, always, I actually talk about that first assignment you did in that lab because it was, uh -huh. you, know, you had to write a monologue and I don't know if you remember this, but I talked about grad school and I talked about whenever I'm talking to early career writers or undergrads and I say like, just do the simple exercise. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't remember whose monologue it was, but the very first one was somebody trying to borrow a ladder because they had to get somebody down off of the moon. <laughs> and I said, like, you don't have to show how creative you are. You're a writer. I trust you're creative. And that right. you're your monologue was trying to get a dog to leave an apartment yeah. <laughs> after, a, after a breakup, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. And it was just simple and beautiful. And I was like, you know, I remember the monologue. I remember the moment. And I go, just simple. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, the dog monologue um, is, uh, was, was, that was a real, like, that was like, that was, that was our first assignment there. And I remember I had, I wrote two, I wrote two monologues and I couldn't figure out which one to do. And then I kind of like haphazardly picked that one. And if I had done the other one, it would have been a disaster. It, right. it was more like the, the, the ladder to the moon type thing, you know? <laughs> yeah. And it's because, you know, once you write that and once you know the rules, then you can write about a tiger. Yeah, 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 <laughs> like, yeah exactly. Yeah, you know. yeah, totally. <laughs> but uh, no, I remember it, and it, uh, it was. It was. I, I appreciate the clarity of that, and I'm. I didn't record. You know, I think. I think I knew that when we talked that it was the first theater you were doing. Mm -hmm. um, I also like that you said about Our Lady at the time, opening up that you could write in the moment. Um, I was also going to ask because I, I knew Lab at the time. I right around then is when I joined, I guess, but uh, but I was aware of them before. But another yeah. play you listed, and I'm curious what it did for you to see is Intimate Apparel. Yes, yeah. I've heard you talk about that, and I'm curious because I saw that play same time you did, and I yeah. remember thinking like I didn't know I didn't really know the playwright. Yeah. And now, you know, and I was thought, oh, this play is perfectly structured. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I was just curious what that play did for you. If you, you know, um, that, that was around the same time. 
it was that it, it was a real vibrant time in my life. It was like it was second semester, my first year at NYU, and I was starting to see all these plays. And that one, my parents were visiting for the weekend, and I remember like we were sitting on the seventh floor. I was showing them NYU. And I was like, we were trying to figure out what to do that night. And I was like flipping through the New Yorker magazine, looking for like openings, you know? And I saw that and I think I read the blurb about it. I was like, oh, that sounds kind of interesting. And so we got tickets to the roundabout. And uh, and I remember all three of us were just kind of like awestruck from the moment that play began to the moment it ended. And the direction of it also was so stunning. And um, the way that storytelling could happen, um, the way that you could you, you you could have these 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 moments of uh, of connection through these letters between her and this man who was you know working in I think Panama or something and um, and uh, and then the just the the, the 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 connection between her and the, the 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 Jewish guy who sold her you know fabrics and that was it was so beautiful and it was like and. And you know it's it, it's it's such a different play than Our Lady, and yet what both those plays are is is, is really about like the this the showing on stage this powerful human connection you know between people between unlikely people, and um, that was it was just it was it was it was so captivating in a way that like I hadn't I didn't feel that like when I was watching movies, you know, and I love movies. I love movies to the day I die, but there was something about it that felt so immediate and so um, kind of uh, inspiring, especially since I was studying this discipline. And so um, those two plays, I think really walloped me. Yeah, it's good. I wanted to... <laughs> I don't know what the hell that is. I'm sorry. It's all right, you know. <laughs> it's, it's, I'm, I'm excited that life is happening. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's like there's outside noise. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> um, I will. I'm, I'm going to ask. Um, yeah, the other, the other one that I'm curious about is when you think about writing and you needed that community, and now you have that. Uh, what do you think you take into the room with you? that you didn't, you know, when you were first starting out, when you first left NYU, not before then, but, but that you might not have carried with you then. Um, that I carry with me now? Yeah. Yeah, I thought about this too. I think, um, you know, I, 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 one of my, like, the things that I think I'm, like I think that I'm I'm good at is 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 collaborating with people, and I think I've, I think I've always been pretty good at that. But I think that um, <clears throat> there have been times in in my career where my willingness to collaborate or my my eagerness to collaborate has has sometimes taken the form as an eagerness to please um, other people. And um, I think that what I bring into a room now is a little bit more. Uh, of a <clears throat> um, a sense of vision about what I want, and um, and and the, the 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 knowledge of like where that where that vision how how far that vision can go before um, I'm infringing on the collaborative spirit, you know. And I think that early on in my career, um, I was afraid of that. I was afraid of bringing that vision in, you know. I was, because uh, I, I, cause I didn't feel like I had the right, you know, <laughs> I was, I was the, I was the amateur, I was the rookie, you know, the, the person who was lucky enough to be working with this director, these designers, these actors, this theater. And um, I think that there's like, there's value on both, both ends of that. There's, there is, there's a real value in being able to be collaborative and, and, and hear other people and, and not, uh, <clears throat> Not not in, not not engage in this my way or the highway attitude, but then on the flip side of that, there is a a, a place to like say like I need I need these things I, I need this part of the vision I need I need this to be real and even if no one else can see it at that point I have to I can trust myself that like this is actually the right way to go with this and so 
I would say that's that's been a change for me over the past few years. Well, and when you can see it and you others can't, uh, how do you stick with that? And how do you utilize the, you know, it's funny, I think about it and go, okay, I know there's something valuable in what I'm seeing. Mm-hmm. How do you how do you go through the process to to help other people catch on to what you're trying to do? Yeah, I mean, I think part of it is, um, you know, it, it 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 can depend a lot on you know who you're collaborating with, like what you know what 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 your relationship is like with the, with the director. But I think that actually, like from a from a writing perspective it's actually not caring. <laughs> it's like saying like, it's okay if you don't understand it right now. It's okay if you're not following me. Um, we'll get to it, you know? Um, but uh, it would have it driven me crazy a few years ago to, that, that, to know that not everyone was on the same page with something. And I think what I've learned is that no one's ever actually on the same page, you know, <laughs> you know like that, that's, that's just impossible. And so part of being collaborative is, is being okay with like dissonance being okay with like, um, you know, the fact that maybe this actor or this designer or, or even the director and I are not seeing totally eye to eye, but trusting that the, the process and the material will get us there, you know? Yeah, I think that <clears throat> that faith is is important, and I think it gets stronger over time. Like you said in the beginning, you are not only do you have to feel earn that sense of being deserving to have your opinion, which is weird because you created the play, and nobody's right. there yeah. without you, you know. Right. But yet, right. I understand we all feel like we're just starting. Um, yeah. But, but over time, I think we all get more faith. Like, I think that's what I, when you said it, I went, right, I carry into the room that we're going to figure it out. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And because yeah. everybody wants to. You know? Right. Yeah, exactly. And I think that, you know, it's, um, I, I think I, early on, I had a, a real need to be liked by, <laughs> the, by, the, by the people in the room. And um, if anything, you know, I think I'm okay if, if that's not the the initial <laughs> the initial response to me. <laughs> I I I have a hard time picturing it, but I'm sure that, that there's an incident or two. <laughs> it's yeah. hard to imagine. Um, and when you think <laughs> that need to be liked, isn't that that's I think that's the hardest is to know. I do think that's that's a hard thing to let go of. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, it's like, it's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a concept that transcends the artistic process. It's, it's a larger idea of like one's life and lifestyle and, you know, so we're we're talking about like kind of larger behavioral traits that have followed you around your whole life. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. That's the hard part to let go of. It's not the art because I find I, I, I do pretty good at protecting my art, but I still want people to like me. (laughs) yeah exactly yeah exactly um and and when you think that may be it is about trusting and having a voice but when you think about what you would tell yourself as a starting artist starting out playwright or to to somebody who's working today besides corona specific or not uh Mm -hmm. what 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 would you what advice would you give um, I think that like <clears throat> the the mistakes that I feel like I make or have made are all based on like in this uh, uh, on on when I started writing something that. I, I'm thinking in terms of like, oh, this is what I think people want to see, you know, um, as opposed to like what I what I want to write, and that's that 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 that's, that comes across way too simplistic because it's not so simple of like, oh, I want to write this, but I'm not writing it. Um, I've been thinking about this concept a lot of um, 
I think I, I might be misquoting or mis, misturn, misnomering this, but like there's this phrase in, within firefighters um, called a flashpoint, I think. And a flashpoint is the place, is, is the moment when um, a room on fire becomes a room of fire in which the oxygen literally ignites. And it's a very dangerous moment, right? It's, it's, this, it's this moment where like, you, you can fight a, a fire in a room on fire, but you can't fight a fire in a room of fire, right? And I've been thinking about this in terms of like artistic process, because I think that anytime I've written a play that I think I'm proud of and that ends up being, you know, successful to some degree is because I, I reached that flashpoint where a room of fire, a room on fire became a room of fire, meaning that like, that there's an ignition and it and it's it's its own it's its own energy source and i don't have to like fuel it you know i don't have to keep adding things to it to make it better suddenly there's a there's a there's a moment in a process sometimes not always where the the play is now it's is is now working and anything i do with it i, I i'm confident that it's it's actually it's it's turned this this really important corner and um the problem is, is that you, I, I have not figured out a way to make sure that that happens <laughs> every time. <laughs> um, it, it's, it's, it, so far it has been by luck, by chance, by, um, or by, or there are things that I've done that I just don't know that I've done, but, um, you know, it's, it's, that's the struggle for me in, in writing is that how do I, you know, you start a play and you're like, you're starting a fire and you're like, you're just adding more stuff and it doesn't suddenly goes out and you have to add more stuff and it goes out. And um, I'm looking for that place where it, it's, it's its own fire. It, it, it's, it's, it's its own energy source. And I think that like the only way to get back to like what, what my advice would be, would be like um, be on the lookout for that. And um and sometimes that involves like stepping back from a, from one project because you because that project is not you can sense it's never going to actually be that and um, and I think that the the only way that I've come to like that that flashpoint in in my work is um, when I've just spent a lot of time under the hood and like um, really understanding why it is I want to write this and what you know, what it what it means to me. And sometimes that flashpoint happens really quickly. I think with Bengal Tiger, it happened really quickly. Like I had written this scene and as soon as I realized the scene worked, I realized I could make a play out of it. Um, it took a long time, but like I knew that it was something worthwhile after I'd written the first scene. Whereas like a lot of other plays don't do that and, um, or they just take a lot longer to get to that flashpoint. And so, you know, I think that's my, my, my main thing as I move forward now is like, is, is paying attention to that is paying attention to like am i working on something that's going to make that turn that's going to like come alive on its own not on its own but like come alive and, and be its own thing and uh and again i don't i don't I, I wish i could have like more like specifics about like how and how, how you court that you know but i think that courting it is actually the the proper term um is like um offering it <laughs> the things that you can to make it become something worthwhile and it is that thing you said that i th thought was important about not only f feeding it the fire but is finding out why it's important to you right and i think once you get that personal energy and connection to it then your unconscious starts to work because it's vital and you're not thinking about why it might be important to the world. Right, 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 exactly. I think that's, 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 that's very well put because that's, um, and it, it, it's, it's interesting because it's like what, when we say something is personal, I think sometimes we perceive that as like, oh, it's autobiographical. Um, but that's not, that's not what that necessarily means, you know? Uh, yeah, I, I um... It's very funny. I wrote my, I, I think everything I write is the most personal thing I've written when I've written, when I'm writing it. Yeah. But, uh, also, and I got self-conscious. Uh, one of my, my favorite play of yours 
uh, is the guards at the Taj. Mm-hmm. And, and it really resonated because you created an environment where you could talk, where these two guards could talk politics, they could talk creativity, they could talk art and, you know, and had a personal relationship. And I totally uh, borrowed your structure and uh, wrote a two character play uh, about the guy, about the person who painted the crucifixion opposite the op- on the wall opposite of the last supper and, oh, wow. and uh, put it in three scenes with a little coda. Uh, uh-huh. but, but, uh, but it's funny cause that play is about someone else, but it was, yeah. totally, but it's totally about the artistic process and what it is right. to be an artist. Right. And I think like it was personal to me, Mm-hmm. But it's not personal. I'm not. I didn't paint that painting. Yeah. You know? <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. But but it, it it means something to you, and you're like, you you can invest it. You, you know, the, once you're writing about it, it is yours. You know. So yeah. that is you know, that that is that, and you know that's 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 a play for me that like I, I worked on that play for a long time before it hit that flashpoint. But I remember the moment that it did. Like I, I remember the moment that the play turned for me and and I was just home one night and I was writing about I was writing about the play you know which sometimes is the best work you can do on a play is like not writing the dialogue and the stage directions but just writing your thoughts on what you're writing about and 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 there was that moment of uh you know I, I realized that like if these guys are carrying out this task that the king has set for them which is that in that, that nothing so beautiful as the Taj Mahal shall ever be built again, that if, if one of those characters then would, would follow that down the rabbit hole and then believe that having done this, that he's, he's actually killed beauty in some way, shape or form. Like that, that kind of abstract thought, if it occurs to him, that could be the fuel for the rest of the play. And that, that's when the play changed for me. That was that moment. And I had never put it in those terms before. I'd been working on it for years. And, uh, and then suddenly I was like, oh, that's it. That's, you know, and suddenly, it, you know, for me, anyhow, the, 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 the play like lit up. Nice. How do you, when you say write about it, is that like a Julia Cameron morning pages type idea, journaling essay? What are you doing when you're writing about what you're writing about? Yeah, you, usually I'm I'm free writing with a pen and a notebook, um, and it's like late at night I'm on my couch or something listening to music and just kind of like thinking about the play, t- like taking notes on the play and and you know sometimes saying like oh this is something that I like here are the thoughts I have about the play but I know that these thoughts are not being you know expressed in the current draft you know. Um, what you want the play to be about, you know, how you, how you, where you want the play to go. Sometimes you can be like, I know that I want this character to react in this particular way near the end of the play, but I don't know how I'm going to get him or her there. And so that's like, just trying to map all that out. Right. Um, I I do have a question because I know that you, you went and, visited the Taj, right, when you were writing that. Mm-hmm. I want to ask, like, how much research do you do, but I actually don't care about that. What I care about is how did you think about applying for support? Because I'm thinking when people, because that's one of the things, like, when you're, when you're writing something like that, how useful it is to actually create an opportunity for you to have an experience. So right. that you could, just seeing it's got to impact you. And I'm thinking, like, you know, I... Uh, how did you how did you think about that how did you get the support and how do you get how do you make it so that other people help you enlarge the process yeah I mean I'll be honest like that that we we got kind of lucky on that and it wasn't me I've been developing that play with Omar Metwali and Arian Moyad uh, the guys who originated the roles in New York um for a couple of years, like we, we had, we had been working through the Lark and um, I knew that they were the guys I wanted to work with on it. Um, Arian and I had worked on Bengal Tiger together. He ended up playing that Iraqi translator. He got a Tony nomination for that. Um, I had always admired Omar's work. I'd never worked with him before, but like 
uh, he and Arnie were friends and always wanted to do something together. So we, it was an unusual case of that. Like that's not usually how plays are, are necessarily developed where like, you know, you have the two actors and you also know, you know, that no one's going to object, you know, um, <laughs> you, you, you can try your damnedest if you want to like get your friends in your play, but like a, a theater might come along and be like, okay, we're going to do your play, but we need to do some auditions, etc. I knew because of Omar and Arian and their reputations that like, no one was going to have any problem with those two guys in the play. So like it was, it was a, it was a unique situation where like we were very well set. Um, but speaking of Cherry Lane, I was having lunch with Angelina Fiordalisi, who is the, you know, artistic director, was the former artistic director of Cherry Lane. And she runs a, um, a, an organization called the Williams Family Foundation. And they, they provide small grants to artists. I didn't know that. We were having lunch and I was like telling her about this new play I was writing and how excited about, uh, about it I was. And I'm working with Ari and Omar, who she knew. And I was like, yeah, you know, and, you know, we're dreaming about, you know, going to India and seeing the Taj. And she was like, well, why don't we help you out with that? And so, <laughs> you know, she, she, she was able to uh, provide our, our airfare to India and back, and uh, which was huge. And then, you know, um, we were able to kind of scrap, sc scrape together some other, you know, funding to help us with our travel in India and our hotels and stuff like that. And um, it all worked out really well. Um, but, you know, that was, um, you know, it, it, doing something like that is, is unique and beautiful and added to our experience enormously. But, you know, it's also not necessarily like the most important aspect of, of, of developing or of researching. I think that like, um, honestly, like when, when I look back on our time there in India, um, we did see the Taj and we did travel some other places that were of note, but um, the most, maybe it's because we were at those places, but one of the most um, memorable days that we had was, it was a rainy day. And so we weren't going out um, that day, or at least that, 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 that afternoon. And we were stuck in a hotel room. And um, first Arayan was like, why don't we read the play? And then we were like, all right. But then Omar was like, Raji, why don't you read the play to us? And so I read the play to them. And, um, and then we just talked about it, you know? And, uh, and, and, and that experience of just being together and, and having me read to them and then them comment on it. And then that leading to discussions about still things we were thinking about with the play was like one of those really important kind of developmental um, steps on the ladder for that. And so that was really amazing. And we didn't necessarily need to be in India for that. You know, like, uh, I'm, I'm sure there are experiences that were feeding into the whole experience, but, um, it, but it was, you know, I, I think that like being with actors or a director or col collaborators with a text that's still in flux and being able to sit quietly and talk about it and read it and hear it is really what's behind all the great kind of like, you know, leaps forward in a process. That's great. And I, yeah, I think, uh, I also was thinking about it though, I was thinking that it's really important, just like you were sharing with Angelina, just what you were working on and, you know, what you wanted and because, I think it's good to find people who want to support you, but the way that happens is to talk about yeah. it. Yeah. 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 And it's, that was a relationship, you know, 10 years in the making you know, with Angelina that led to that, you know? And so, you know, making and, and cultivating relationships obviously is, is such a huge part of this and people that like, you know, um, like I remember what my, one of my very first kind of meetings that like my agent set me up on with people in the industry was with Annie McRae and um, she's now the associate artistic director of the Atlantic, you know, and has been, you know, a huge part of both Guards of the Taj and described the night that was there. And at that point she was, I don't even remember who she was working for. I, I, I forget, but like we had this little coffee one day 
you know, and I was, I had just, I think I was doing Huck and Holden and she was doing some little job somewhere else. And like, but we've been friends and colleagues ever since, you know, and it's just funny, like you make your friends in the early in your career and then everyone kind of grows up together. Yeah. You know. Thank cool. you. Thank you. <laughs> um, yeah. This has been great, man. And uh, Yeah. Yeah. This is so cool chatting with you um, in our, in our, respective quarantines yes well i was actually <laughs> I was thinking about the respective quarantine when you talked about uh reading it uh, the play out loud and i thought like you know that's that's still possible you know when anybody's working right now is like, yeah you know i think the one good thing is people want to help each other and like if you have people you trust like it's a good thing to say like i can read it to you or you can read it to me or we can read it together this way yeah yeah mm-hmm. i think that um <clears throat> I'm, I, ever since that day, I, I've been a fan of actually reading my work out loud, but only if the people listening are reading it on the page, you know, like that's important. That they read I it with you. Yeah. Like, that they're, that they're actually looking at the words on the page as I'm reading it, you know, because if it's just listening, they're going to miss things and stuff like that. But like, I, I find it really interesting to hear someone read what they've written while you are reading along quietly you know and i think that's something that can easily be done um via zoom <laughs> you know or just on a telephone call you know? yeah um, as we kind of figure out how we're going to continue to collaborate in this social distancing world. <laughs> that's right That was, uh, that was great. I'm glad, uh, glad to get to talk to Rajiv. Thanks for the conversation. I'm really glad he's feeling better. I'm glad he's not sick anymore. Um, and so, you know, it's funny. I was talking at the beginning about take your time and do what's right. And I liked at the end just, you know, even talking about the idea of sharing the work and finding people that we can find people to listen to it. And, um, and so people are doing that, you know, and we, that's still possible. And what I liked about it is being protective and caring about it. And I, you know, I don't know what's right. I don't know if it's about building work right now or building in the moment or finding ways to stay busy or stay present. You know, there is a thing about the social isolating, uh, social distancing that can make you feel, can make me feel, I don't know about you, but make me feel disconnected. And I think that's one thing about getting, you know, volunteering to listen to somebody's work or read it or be in the Zoom room with them. You know, it it helps to stay connected and find ways to do that. And I I was thinking about developing the work is one thing, but also I think that's what I need right now. I need to know that I'm still connected. Um, And it's not about me needing to put out work into the world. It's just being part of a community. And I'm really glad that we're all listening, that you're listening to the podcast, that you're part of this community. Um, And I'm glad when I look on social media and I get to see the community being active and vibrant and working together, you know, a couple of things come to mind. The farm, obviously, the college collaboration project at Shenandoah. I mean, I'm really impressed that that play, that whole thing is going to be rehearsed on Zoom. First read through with Zoom, table work with Zoom. And now the theatricality of that production is going to be done on Zoom April 19th. And we'll figure out a way to live share that. or They're going to live stream it. I'll let everyone know how they can watch it. Um, but that, Labyrinth Theater Company is doing this isolation survival guide with bedtime stories and open projects and creative things that, uh, you know, just people sharing themselves so that other people feel connected and, and um, everything it has favorite movies to watch and recipes to make while you're home and i, I think it's it's greatest way to reach out for community and um uh dipti brahmankar is writing corn theater monologues to different she's writing monologues about this experience inspired by it and different actors are recording them and then posting them and you know i love that that the community is working together to stay engaged. I'm seeing it everywhere. Um, and so I'm not in a race, race to uh, create work, maybe, because I want to, I'm not looking for the instant, 
but I am looking for the connection. And uh, so however you want to, you know, if you're in a place where you need to relax and not create, that's cool. If you are working a long-term project, you know, people will be here to help you along the way whenever you need it. And if you need to, if you're creating something fast for the moment, inspired by the moment, all of that is excellent. Wherever you're at is great. Um, but know that there's a community, even if we're, you know, flattening the curve and staying in and social distancing, uh, there's a huge community online, you know, in the, on the farm community, Facebook, Instagram, and then people want to stay connected. And that's what I'm seeing. And I'm really appreciating that. And, and, the, you know, in the meantime, I'm trying to keep the bullpen session the same as it ever was, which is conversations about what's happening right now, but also, you know, what's valuable? How did people get to where they were? What's their process like? What, what helped them? What advice do they have? And, you know, I was really grateful for the conversation with Rajiv and, and looking forward to doing more of those. And I'm grateful for Zoom because we can do it. Um, you know, with that, if you're listening, feel free to, if it's useful and you like the conversation, share it with people, tell people about it. You know, the iTunes rating, I don't think I've talked about that in a couple of weeks because of Corona, but it does help for people to find it. And yeah, stay safe. I look forward to seeing you all in person, hopefully sooner than later. And with that, we're out.